Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio. So let's go ahead and welcome him in on the Jones and Son Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Aaron, as always, appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon, man? I'm good, guys. How we doing? Everything good? I mean, baseball season, you know, the hog pen looks like it was crazy. I forget what day I was watching or at least saw highlights and there was like flags flying and it was it was crazy. What was what we had Vandy last week? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, it was Vanderbilt. Unfortunately didn't get the series win, but did have a raccoon that got caught, so that was pretty cool. So give me the whole, is there a story? I mean, I think you guys might have even had the guy. I just woke up on Saturday and started seeing pictures, and I figured I'd probably get the story at some point. I never really, like, I I never did the deep internet dive. Can you give me the one-minute, 30-second synopsis that I know every listener except (laughs) me knows, so I apologize for boring your (laughs) listeners? Well, well, basically, it was a guy named Grant Harmon, and he was a fan there, and they said that he was there in the stands, and people behind him started kind of, screaming and, and jumping out of their seats and moving away and freaking out and everything because they saw a raccoon. And the raccoon wow. was, you know, I guess terrorizing over there. So he just said he walked over there and found the raccoon and or it started coming closer to his feet. He saw it, and so he just grabbed it by its neck and took it outside and, and got rid of it. And he got bit, too. He got bit by the raccoon, had to go to the hospital, get a rabies shot. He has a series of rabies shots coming up, but – He's doing really well, and uh, he was just uh, – he couldn't believe that he went as viral as he did for doing something like that. What a man's man. I would not know what to do. John, are you are you a big city guy or are you, you small-town? Because, I mean, I see you posting at the lake during the summer, but if I saw a raccoon, I'd probably just run the other way. I, I would have no idea what to do in that situation, other than to look for Grant, other than that. Yeah, I'm running. Um, I'm, that has nothing to do okay. with me being city boy or country boy or anything like that because I'm definitely not country, but – uh, yeah, I'm running from raccoons. Those things are mean, you know. And, That's you know, what I mean. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They're they're out there and with sharp teeth. Dude, if you see them in person, which I'm sure we all have, they're bigger too. Like you think they're big, and then you see them. I mean, they're not small creatures. So yeah, they're they're terrifying. And uh, shout out to Grant. You know, I hope all the rabies shots go well. You know, but uh, but yeah, what a story that was. What a story that was. Absolutely was a great story, too. And speaking of great stories, since you asked us about something, I want to ask you about something. What's this oh, beef be- What's this beef between you and J.J. Redick, man? What's going on? What's this? What's these comments that were made where he had some few choice words, called you a few names we can't say on the air here, but, you know, what, yep, what, what, exactly what, right. yeah, what, what, what's going on with you and J.J.? Well, it really starts with a disappointing day for Hogs fans. It was the day of the Elite Eight, uh, and I was watching Houston Villanova right before Arkansas Duke. And uh, listen, guys, you know, I'm not, I love college hoops. I'm far from somebody that defends it blindly. It's got a lot of flaws, like every sport. And so Villanova Houston, if you remember, was a pretty unwatchable game. But then again, it was also two great defensive teams. It was a winner go home game. There was a lot at stake in that game, right? And so I bring it up because, you know, during the game, I see the typical NBA fans, oh, college basketball, so unwatchable, blah, 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 blah. And so I just tweeted out something to the effect of, you know, if NBA guys were allowed to play defense the way that college players were, um, there would be a lot of games in the 70s and the 80s. And, of course, you know, and, John, I'm sure you've been in the middle of these. Like, you just tweet something out. You don't really think anything of it. You don't think, you know, you just, you're just 
I don't know. I, I don't know how everyone else uses social media. I'm just sharing my thoughts in real time without thinking about who might do what with what. So it got a hold. NBA Twitter got a hold of it. Um, they just mocked me mercilessly for having the audacity to question anything with the NBA. Um, and J.J. Redick was one of those people, and, and he just kind of put out a, a half-hearted, tell me you don't watch the NBA without telling me you don't watch the NBA or something, right? So that was that night. That was the end of it. Whatever. And about three weeks later, it was after the Final Four. I had just gotten home, and like it was a day or two after, and I'm running errands, and my phone blows up. And people were like, dude, did you see what J.J. Redick said about you? And I was like, no, I didn't do it. Why would J.J. Redick be talking about me? Like, the Final Four ended like three weeks ago or two weeks ago. And so I go on my phone, and there's this video, um, and he's just talking about kind of the interaction. He goes, this guy tweeted at me, which, first of all, is factually incorrect. I did not tweet at him. I just put out a tweet that he responded to. And then he goes, and it was funny, he had Kevin Durant on his podcast that day. This was from his podcast, and he goes, that F head thinks he knows about the NBA. Can you imagine thinking that guys can score in the seventies and eighties and Kevin Durant's laughing about it, whatever. And they called me, you know, pretty whatever name. And so John, you know, I'm watching these NBA playoffs, love them. And I've noticed there's quite a few games where the losing team is scoring in the seventies and eighties. I wonder why that could be John and Joe. Oh, maybe it's because they're playing real defense and teams are trying on defense. And so, you know, a game or two, whatever. I don't want to make a big thing about it. But last Thursday night, uh, J.J. Redick was calling game six of Dallas versus Phoenix. Phoenix scored 80 points. And I decided to just mention J.J. Redick and say something to the effect of, hey, buddy, I know you were in the arena. Not sure if you saw the final score. That was only 80 points scored. And he tweets at me, well, you know, uh, do you know how NBA playoff series work? Yeah, of course I know how NBA playoff series work. It doesn't change my original point. And then two days later, three days later, we have Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks score 81 points in a loss. And so I didn't know if J.J. Redick saw the game. I didn't know what he was up to on a Sunday. So I just decided to tweet at him and, and let him know that the Bucks only scored 81 points. And, you know, my point was 100% accurate and he was 100% wrong. And apparently he got offended by the fact that I reminded him a few times how wrong he was. Um, and he blocked me. And so, you know, it's funny. I was just asked about this about 20 minutes ago. And, you know, one, I'm, I'm a little bit of a fighter by nature. You know, I, you got to be in this world. But two, I mean, the guy called me a name on his podcast that is very popular. To his credit, he's good at what he does. Am I not allowed to defend myself? How are you going to block me for call after you call me a name three weeks after I've interacted with you? So that's kind of the whole story. But as of uh, Sunday at about 3 o'clock, I was blocked by J.J. Reddick. And now I tweeted him even more just to let him know uh, that I haven't forgotten about him. So that's basically <laughs> the story. I hope, that, I hope that makes sense. But, I mean, the guy called me a name on his podcast. I mean, does he not expect that when I'm proven 100% right and he's proven 100% wrong? that I'm not going to remind him of it, so whatever, whatever. So, so, Aaron, since you've been blocked by him, others are seeing the tweets. What kind of comments have you oh, gotten yeah. from other people around? Well, you know, I've, I've gone over it on my podcast a few times because it's usually people that listen to my podcast that, first of all, sent me the original tweet, and then it was probably about three, four, five, six, ten listeners of my podcast that sent me the clip. I didn't even see the clip. I don't follow him. And so, and by the way, on the clip, he, he, he mentions my tweet verbatim. So he's not just talking about college basketball writers or whatever. 
Um, but no, I mean, listen, do I have the audience that J.J. Reddick does? I don't. But the people that know me know that I was 100% right, that he's 100% wrong, and he's acting like another word that cannot be said on the radio. So um, they're, they're letting him know it, and they should. And that that's what, you know, it's what we do. And, like, like my whole thing is, like, I was honestly, guys, I mean, in all seriousness, I was just having fun with it. Like, hey, J.J., not sure if you saw. I know you were calling the game. Did you catch the final score? And it's like, you know, I, I don't take myself too seriously. I mean, imagine the guy tweets at me. You know, he's got 300,000 followers or something, so my mentions are a mess for, for a week. Um, you know, then he calls me a name on his podcast. Of course, I don't block him because I have a backbone. I send two tweets to him. I got a couple people that have responded in my defense, and the guy blocks me. I just think it's really soft. I mean, you know, I'm not surprised he's a dookie, but, I mean, it's just soft, man. That's all it is. But, like I said, you know, I mean, I'm allowed to defend myself, and, and I, I, I honestly was having some fun with it. And, uh, you know, my wife tells me I like to argue. My wife tells me I like to win arguments. And J.J. Reddick had to learn that the hard way. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> Must be that northeastern part of you, man, from UConn up there that oh, likes to yeah. argue. Yeah. <laughs> likes to oh, get... and I'm his... oh, yeah, you know, last name Torres, you know, my dad's from Puerto Rico. I'm Hispanic. I got that Hispanic blood in me. My wife's Hispanic. So all we do is, you know, we, her and I don't argue, but we're arguers by nature. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And uh, I like to argue. She told me I should have been a lawyer because all I ever want to do is argue with her and, and pick fights. And so, like I said, J.J. Reddick learned that the hard way. <laughs> well, hey, listen, you're doing just fine in the sports world too, man. So uh, doing you. all the debates and everything. But speaking of, you know, what what have you made the NBA playoffs so far? Because I know with the Confer- Eastern and Western Conference Finals, uh, I only had game one last night of the Eastern and Western t- uh, goes on tonight. But these four teams, what do you make about their journey in the playoffs so far? You know, it's been fun. The ratings have been good. Um, you know, a couple low-scoring games in the 70s and 80s, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, uh, no, I, I think it's been good. And what I really think, guys, and I could be wrong on this, but I do think these younger guys, they seem to embrace, you know, playing in small cities, putting a franchise on their back, whether it's Jason Tatum in Boston. I know that's not really a small city, but – Giannis, who's obviously out of the playoffs now, John Moran, who's out of the playoffs, Luca. I know Dallas also is not a small city. But I do think, you know, one thing that hurts the NBA over the last couple of years, I truly believe, you know, it's not very relatable for the average American to be making $30, $40 million a year, complain and demand a, a trade. You know, like the, all of us get up and go to work, and the three of us are fortunate to have jobs that I know the three of us love. Uh, there's a lot of people that aren't that fortunate. And so when you have these players that are just making $30, $40 million, don't want to be the face of a franchise, I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way on, you know, listen, I'm not like an entitled athlete guy, but I think there's something to it. And so I think seeing these young teams that play hard, that show up every night, uh, the series have certainly been competitive. We obviously got two game sevens last weekend. I think it's been really fun, and obviously, you know, the old guard with Golden State is still there, but then a lot of young guard as well. So, you know, I have no amazing takeaways, but I I think John Morant, you know, small school overlooked is relatable. I think Jimmy Butler, Juco to Marquette, four-year college player, wasn't a max player until he was probably close to 30, is relatable. And I think people are enjoying the stories, and and that's just my opinion on on why the the playoffs seem to be a success. But, But like I said, it's competitive, it's fun. Uh, and I can't speak for everybody, but I have enjoyed it. I really have. Of the four teams left, would you give an edge to uh, any one team that you feel like could go on to win a championship, or you think the talent is kind of evenly 
the Spurs where uh, in the East it's going to be competitive, in the West it'll be really competitive. Yeah, Joe, you know, I, I could be dead wrong on this, and I don't claim to be an NBA expert, but the way Miami defends, again, because defense really does matter in the NBA, despite what some people might tell you, um, just the way they defend, I, I really look at it, and, and I think to me, I think people are completely overlooking them. I know last night was kind of a weird game. Boston was up early. Boston rallied late, and in between they completely fell apart. But, you know, Miami just, it, it's a team game, and I'm not saying like, oh, the team game, you know, nobody's bigger than the team. But when you have a bunch of guys that are just locked in defensively, um, and the other three, the thing that strikes me at least about Dallas and Boston is, both those teams have a star player that if you can neutralize them a little bit, it makes it really hard for them to win. Now, Golden State's interesting because kind of the guys we know are older. Some of the other guys, it's their first playoff experience. So I'm still not totally sure what to make of Golden State. I'm excited to see them tonight. Uh, but, I, I, you know, as weird as it sounds, I actually like uh, Miami. I think Miami, based on the four teams left, if they were to advance to the NBA Finals, would have home court advantage there. They have home court advantage in the Easter Conference Finals. They're up one nothing. You know, uh, uh, Boston is playing well. Boston is playing very well. And the thing about Boston, too, is they easily could have won a couple of the games that they lost, very close losses in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals to Milwaukee. But I do like Miami. I really do. And I know they're not the sexiest or funnest team to talk about, but I just like, I think, the sum of the parts. You know, I'll tell you guys, now that I'm thinking about it, I hadn't really put it together. They kind Don't they kind of remind you a little bit of this past Arkansas team where it's just a lot of guys that like to defend, they're really – I know J.D. Note, I guess, was kind of their leader. But, you know, I think back to watching the Hogs, you know, against Gonzaga and Auburn, all these teams, and you have Audie, Tony, and Stanley Amude, and they're all defending their butts off. Miami, now that I'm thinking about it, does kind of remind me of this past Razorbacks team. Uh, but I really do like them, and I, 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 I think they're the favorite. I know most – I don't think Vegas necessarily agrees with me, but they're, they're my favorite in my opinion. So, uh, Aaron, uh, also talking about something that maybe uh, caused some controversy in the NBA, what would you make of Patrick Beverly's comments on Chris Paul calling him a cone? Because that seemed like that really sparked a lot of people and their disagreements with Patrick Beverly and calling out Chris Paul like that. Yeah, you know, I'll say, you know, I, so I work out in the mornings and a lot of times, and, you know, I'm on the West Coast, so it's about 7 o'clock when first date comes on, and, and I usually have it on in the background. I thought Patrick Beverly was entertaining. Like, the clips that went viral were, like, legitimately funny. He also is just another guy that defends his buddies. Like, I, I don't know how closely you guys have followed this stuff, but, like, you know, there was this big James Harden debate yesterday about, you know, can you give him the big extension? He's 32 years old. He's regressing, blah, 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 blah. And Patrick Beverly's like, of course you got to pay him, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, you played with him in Houston. He's like, yeah, so that doesn't matter. And so, you know, I'll be curious. I mean, I think he's definitely a fresh voice. I did like, even though it kind of came off as, as mean, like I did like the whole, like that guy's not even on our scouting report, like Grayson Allen. He was talking about like, that guy's not even on our scouting report. We don't even think about him going into a game against the Bucks or whatever. So I think he's been really good. Uh, he's been entertaining. I don't know if he said anything interesting today. I've kind of been offline most of the day. Um, but I think he's been good. But I also think, like, if you're if you're actually watching, and I have because I've been kind of uh, working out when that show is on, he is also just one of these guys that is largely defending his guys and his buddies, which is okay. But isn't that the question about every broadcaster is will they actually be critical of people they know? You know, I know last week with the Tom Brady news, that was a big question about Tom Brady. It's a question about Tony Romo. It's a question about the TNT guys. 
And I think it would be a question about Patrick Beverly if he if he moves forward in this career. But he certainly is entertaining. I will say that he is very entertaining. Orlando Magic won the NBA draft lottery, and Aaron, you've given your opinion as far as who should be the number one overall pick, and you say Paolo Bancaro. So what separates him from Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith? Well, to me, Joe, I don't think it's really what separates him. It's who the team is that that got the pick. And, you know, it was funny because I just, I mean, I'll be honest, guys. Like, I haven't thought about the Orlando Magic in a very long time. And, you know, I, I, I looked back after the the draft lottery and I talked about it on my podcast and all that good stuff like they haven't won a playoff series since 2010 and they've had I forget I think it was seven top 10 picks since 2013 and they've missed on most of them I just think you got to go get a guy that can play right away like I don't I mean I don't know their fan base if they have a fan base like whatever but it just I I just feel like it's going to be hard to sell a team that hasn't made the playoffs the last 10 years on a guy that's probably a little bit more developmental. Chet is definitely developmental, although I thought he actually played well against Arkansas, but he was in foul trouble. Jabari Smith's talent is there, but I would just go with Ben Carroll for that reason. I really would. Um, I just think if you're the Orlando Magic, like at some point, guys, we're all sports fans. Like we understand rebuilds and it takes time, but you got to actually try to win at some point. And so that was kind of why I went with Ben Carroll on that one. Yeah, and I think that uh, just with Oklahoma City, too, we got a few Oklahoma City fans here in this state as well that uh, the whole Chet Holmgren thing I think is very intriguing because they think that they, maybe he can be that guy that steps right in and become a franchise-type player where uh, he develops into that superstar. At least he has that type of potential, most people feel. He certainly, you know, he's, he's, he is intriguing. Now, let me ask you guys. I mean, John, you were in San Francisco. Um what did, what like what'd you make of him? I saw him twice in person this year. They played in Vegas. Really quickly, what was what were your thoughts watching him? And I don't know if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, but what would your reaction be if they took him? Well, I mean, I'm not an Oklahoma City fan, but I, I would it would make sense to me because I think he's got a lot of upside and everything. But just because like I felt like in that game, especially against Arkansas, once you get physical with him, uh, he, he just didn't seem to play as well. And I think that, of course, in the NBA, it can be a physical league and it may take a little bit of a adjustment period. But I think once he adjusts and once he can get the hang of it, I don't know. I feel like he could be a, a really good player for them and possibly be uh, kind of their next big player coming out of OKC as well. Yeah, I, um, you know, I saw him in person twice and it was crazy because the first game, it was the totally, it was the package that everybody raves about. He's blocking shots and he's running the floor and he's pulling up and hitting threes. And then the next game was actually against Duke, the same team that you saw in person twice, John, where that Mark Williams kid that Arkansas struggled with, I mean, that that kid basically gave Chet his lunch. And so, again, you know, I saw both sides of it in about a three- or four-day period when they played these games where you just look and you're just like, okay, I get it, but if I'm a GM, you know, am I going to put my career on the line if, if I know it's going to be probably two or three years? Uh, and the other thing, too, which I, I think is important in the conversation with him, like, I think there's this notion of, like, oh, you know, wait till he gets into a, a NBA training facility and he'll be able to put on weight. And it's like, I'm not saying that can't happen, but, like, Gonzaga has real trainers. Like, Gonzaga basketball is run as though it is a power five, power six in basketball uh, program. Like, this was my big thing with Zion was people were like, well, you know, once he gets with an NBA training staff, he's going to lose weight. I'm like, you think they don't have good trainers at Duke? You think they don't have a nutritionist at Duke? And it's kind of the opposite with, with Chet of, like, I guarantee he was in the weight room at Gonzaga, and I guarantee he was he was probably eating, you know, 10,000 calories a day or something. 
And I'm just not sold that he's that guy that can put on a bunch of weight. So if he can't, then what becomes of him? Now, there's obviously the, ex- the extreme opposite example of Giannis, who was crazy skinny when he first got to the United States. So it's interesting. You know, he'd be the third guy to me. I get why. I think I'd actually take, make a case he's maybe fourth or fifth behind somebody like Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Um, I get why, and I, I think the right GM that has time and, you know, Houston is just trying to find pieces, like those kinds of teams make sense. But, I mean, I, I could also just see him never really clicking in the NBA for all the reasons that we've discussed. Aaron, you also gave your predictions as far as players returning to college or staying in the NBA draft. So let's look at a couple of players. We'll start with uh, Chet Holmgren's teammate, Drew Temme. And you're saying that you think he's going to return to college, but also Jalen Williams staying in the NBA draft and not returning to Arkansas. Yeah, man. You know, it's it's one of those deals. I think we've probably talked about this on the show. I mean, I think three, four weeks ago, last time I was on, I definitely thought there was a possibility Jalen Williams would come back. But obviously, look, you know, the, the, the scholarship shuffling of the last, you know, week or so, Jackson Robinson leaving, Ricky Council coming in the next day, that obviously puts you right at the scholarship limit. I know there's ways to finagle it, and maybe somebody else leaves or somebody takes off the scholarship and they figure it out with NIL money. I know there's ways to finagle it, but it just feels like the coaching staff really, from the beginning, has planned for life without Jalen Williams. Now, I, I don't know that for sure. I haven't talked to anybody at Arkansas, and I don't know exactly what the conversation down there is with you guys, but we all know they took four front court players. Um, you know, if it had been one or two, I could see the scenario where, where those guys are being sold on come compete against Jalen Williams every day in practice. But when you bring in four front court players, including an all-pack 12 guy, you know, a, a guy in, in Trevon Brazil who obviously had a plenty of opportunity to go pretty much wherever he wanted, it strikes me that I, I don't think any guarantees were made, but I think they were probably sold that Jalen Williams isn't going to be back. So that's just my intuition. I don't know if you guys have heard anything different, but it feels like, you know, we're getting pretty late in the process. The roster goes through exactly 13 scholarships the other day after another kind of transition. And my guess would be that he's playing for an NBA team near you at some point in the near future. Well, Aaron, man, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff, great insights, and uh, hopefully you and JJ can uh, one day uh, kiss and make up, man, and maybe have a sit-down debate. Maybe he'll come on your podcast, maybe something like that. So it's funny because last week when I chirped him, he said, why don't you come on the pod and let me teach you something? And I was like, I mean, I'll come on your podcast, of course. Like, I don't think you'll invite me. I don't think you actually want to debate me, but I'm happy to come on. Um, But other than that, yeah, I'm happy to talk with him. I mean, it's hard when you get blocked, John. I mean, I know you're edgy on social media, too, so I'm sure you've been blocked by quite a few people. I'm sure probably among many ladies as well, it's blocked you as well. But um, no, you know, so, I mean, if, if he wants to talk, he knows where to find me, but it's, it's just, it's hard to get a hold of somebody when they block you, you know? Yeah, I know. I feel you. No, my uh, girl, women have more blocked me on the Instagram instead of Twitter. Twitter has oh, okay, been more okay. like uh Chad Morris has blocked me. I think he's probably the, the main oh. one that has blocked me there. Yeah. He's so. going to be going to be calling you guys for a job pretty soon from what I hear. He's, he's unemployed again. That was the rumor <laughs> floating around. Yeah, maybe maybe he can find uh, to be an intern somewhere or something like that. Uh, you know, Or I don't know. Maybe people don't want him anywhere near their football program. Could be something like that. But uh, Really quick, if, yeah. he, if, he host, if he was like, I want to host a football podcast, would anyone actually respect it? Would anybody <laughs> actually download it thinking they would learn something? Or would they be like, dude, we saw you in action. We saw the play sheet that was – 
like a CVS receipt and we couldn't get a first down. What like what are we doing here? I'm not listening to this podcast. I think that there would be people that were like, I want to listen to this just to see how horribly bad it would be. Because that's the thing, he couldn't even really talk that well. Like he couldn't deal with the media really? that well. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it's like, man, what where's the redeeming quality here? Like what are we doing over here? So I think that there'd be some people that would well, listen to it, but it'd be more as a joke than anything. So all, all I'll say, I know you guys gotta go. I just remember I tweeted out one time the guy had a play sheet the size of Ecuador, and it's like, but his players can't block, tackle, catch, whatever. It's like maybe we scale down the play sheet a little bit and work on the fundamentals of practice here, boys. But, hey, that was the past. It's Sam Pittman season now. That's all in the past. But, you know, I saw that. I did see that news amongst the raccoons and everything else this weekend. So Yeah, a lot of Razorback fans relishing in that, that is for sure. But, Aaron, appreciate it, man. Have a great weekend. We'll be catching up with you here soon, all right? All right, guys. Take care. Thank you.